0: This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand, enjoying your day, I hope, everybody. God, this weather this week has been awesome. Enjoy these days while we have them. Enjoy this podcast while you have it, too. Glad you're along with me again. Got a lot of good stuff coming up on today's show. Um, was out at the uh, All-Metro Sports Awards the other day, Um great star tribune event honoring high school athletes high school coaches the best plays and teams of the year and had an opportunity to talk to quite a few of the athletes out there about how and why they consume their sports these days as 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 viewers i just was curious you know i don't usually have an audience of such a, a large number of you know really elite athletes elite you know Young sports fans, so I asked a lot of them kind of how they watch sports if they're sports fans just kind of how how sports are consumed by the younger generation, the kids these days. and I really thought their answers were interesting, so I'm gonna assemble those for you and play those back on today's show. Also have chicken fingers sixty nine of Twitter fame of the sportive podcast. He, uh, anytime over the last five years, you probably have seen him, if you follow him on Twitter, griping about the Brandon Kinsler trade of 2017. That was almost exactly five years ago. The anniversary is Sunday when the Twins traded their all-star closer. Kind of a complicated trade, complicated year, and... Just thought it'd be kind of fun to have him on to kind of talk about that trade, how it relates to this year's trade deadline, and just have a little fun with that. So that'll be coming up in a little bit as well. But first, what did I miss? I got to start Vikings, even though we talked a lot of Vikings on Access Vikings podcast uh, Thursday. A new episode came out. First one of those in a little while, but those will become a lot more regular now that we're into training camp. Um we got into some Kirk Cousins talk at the beginning of that show, but I wanted to expand on that just a little bit because I had a, an extended thought on just kind of where Kirk Cousins is as he enters. You know, he's been in this league a decade. He's had all these different, you know, coaches, position coaches, offenses to learn, and a couple things struck me from his availability, his his news conference meeting with the media on Thursday. Number one. Um, I'll, I'll play a quote here in a minute, but just kind of the idea of him again in a new system in a new year and, you know, thinking that, you know, transitions, that he's kind of used to transitions, but it sounds like this year could be a bigger transition than I might have expected. Let's listen to Kirk Cousins talk about that.
1: I've been fortunate to not only be with great coaches through my career, but um, systems have stayed generally similar. The challenge has been with new people. So you have new people in those seats in those positions. So there's always differences. Um, This year would probably be one of the larger years when it comes to actually having a major change in the terminology and in the uh, actual playbook. Uh, Probably a bigger change than any other year, except for maybe the year I moved from Washington here to Minnesota.
0: So that was interesting to me. The first point that this is maybe the biggest kind of difference, the biggest kind of undertaking in terms of learning new stuff that he's gone through probably since 2018 when he first came in was transitioning from Washington to the Vikings you know started the season with John Filippo as his offensive coordinator that only lasted into you know the late in that season before John Filippo was fired replaced with Kevin Stefanski the musical chairs of offensive coordinators started but uh, that was interesting to me that this is kind of a heavy lift for him in terms of the changes this year. More to the point, though, is an interesting kind of uh, digression he had in the, in the middle of his news conference, kind of talking about what Kevin O'Connell is seeing and how Kevin O'Connell kind of wants him to process certain plays. So let's play that as well.
1: If I remember on a concept we had in OTAs in a practice, I... Uh, uh, said no to a route over here, threw a route over here, and afterwards he said, hey, I want you to take that with that look, don't progress. And you know, prior to him saying that, I would have progressed every time. So you say, okay. And then we probably ran that play a half dozen times again in the spring. When we got that look, I was gonna take that, that, that option. So it's important to understand what he wants And not just play to well, I've done this before, so I'll just do this again. It's more of a well, how do how do you want it to look? And then let me execute that way, but that takes time to learn.
0: So that to me was especially interesting, just because you know Kirk Cousins I think is a you know to a fault sometimes is a little bit of a people pleaser, but I think sometimes that also can serve him well as a quarterback. He wants to execute how his coach wants him to execute. And for the first time in five years, at least, um, the head coach, not just an offensive coordinator, not just a position coach, has more of a vested interest in how these plays are going to look, how he's going to execute them. Maybe not just in terms of, like, be careful with the ball, but this is exactly what I want you to do on this play. He just did not have that when Mike Zimmer was the head coach. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, if that's good or bad. I'm just saying that is a big difference when your head coach is telling you, Hey, when you see this look, I want you to go over here uh when when this is happening, I want you to do this. We an offensive minded head coach that's trying to give him that direction at the same time, like you said it's a it's a process and they don't you know they don't necessarily have all the time in the world they had you know the spring to work on some stuff they've got some training camp now. And then they've got the regular season, but, you know, Kirk Cousins is not getting any younger. Kevin O'Connell's got time, but Kirk Cousins maybe doesn't have all the time in the world to show that he is the quarterback here for the very, very long term. So just adds another layer to this season, what to watch for, you know, how how Kirk Cousins fits into this Kevin O'Connell offense, how much of a learning curve there's going to be for him, for O'Connell to find out What works? What doesn't work? What are his true strengths? What are the things he wants to stay away from? Can he retrain his brain, retrain his arm, retrain his progressions? You know, you've heard Kirk say over and over again, that's where my reads took me. If Kevin O'Connell wants his reads to take him to different places, that's easy to do in July. Is it easy to do in November when you're under pressure, when you're trying not to make a mistake, when you're in the fourth quarter of a big game, to throw it where you're supposed to throw it instead of to throw it where you've, over a decade or whatever, you've thought this is where I'm supposed to throw it. So that will be an interesting kind of push-pull. How quickly can Kirk Cousins learn what Kevin O'Connell wants him to do? And that ultimately could define how successful this season is.
2: MGM Wine &
0: Spirits is the choice for savings, service, and a great selection of spirits, pre-mixed cocktails, wines, and of course, ice-cold beers and hard seltzers. With over 30 locations throughout the Twin Cities and beyond, there is an MGM near you. Head to mgmwineandspirits.com to find a convenient location in your area. Get social. Follow MGM on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest news and trends. Make great moments with MGM Wine & Spirits, your locally owned and operated choice for over 50 years. Save time, save money. Shop MGM. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I have a whole bunch of high school athletes I wanted to talk to, just about you know how they watch sports these days. I just kind of had this idea when I was at the at the awards the other night. Great event, by the way. If you haven't followed our coverage, starttobeanstarttobean.com. Go back and look at all the award winners and their stories. Just a great event at Allianz Field. Um, but I know it's just was kind of interesting opportunity to talk to a lot of these athletes about you know the era they're growing up in and how they consume sports much different than what I grew up with, you know, 25, 30 years ago, when you kind of had to watch what was on, you could record stuff, I would record Atlanta baseball games on my VCR, that was just, that was my team, like if I couldn't watch the game live, I would record them, even if they were in the midst of another hundred lost season, kind of when I started watching them, but the, just the pro, just what these kids grow up with in terms of access to sports is so much different than what I grew up with, and my obviously the my viewing habits have evolved. But it's not kind of second nature to me. So I just kind of wanted to know how they watched, how they watch sports, and you know I was just kind of pleasantly surprised. I think that the range of answers and how. How it's it's kind of really this mix, and how in a lot of cases they're they're taking the best of both worlds. But I just thought a lot of the answers were interesting, and wanted to share that with you now.
3: Uh, my name is Miles Akiboy. I play soccer, and I went to Wasa High School.
0: Okay, uh, Miles, how do you watch
3: sports these days? Do you watch a lot of soccer? Do you watch a lot of sports? And how do you watch sports? Uh, it depends on the sport. I'm a soccer fan, football fan, just a big sports fan in general. But I would say if it's a soccer game, I'm watching the full game on TV. Uh, same with football, when football's in season, I watch that the whole game all at once. Then also on like TikTok and social media, you see like highlights and little clips. What, is it, is, do you have a preference of one over the other or is it just kind of the whole experience? Um, if it's like a team I follow, like the Vikings or the Loons, I like to watch the full game all at once. But then if it's like, like other teams around the league, I like to watch normally just highlights. Do you feel like you can pretty see, see pretty much anything you want anywhere, anytime? Yeah, in this day and age, you can see anything you want. Like, what's that like? like, I, okay, that's, like that's
0: kind of my experience now, but like I'm 45, that's not how I grew up. Like, what's that like to
3: just be able to watch whatever you want, whenever you want? Uh, for me personally, like, it's kind of just normal nowadays. We've, we've grown up like being able to watch anything spoiled. whenever we want. Spoiled, you guys want. are spoiled for TV. We are. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite player? Do you have a favorite athlete? Um, On the Loons or just in general? For football, probably Justin Jefferson. And then for soccer, I'd probably go with Michael Boxall on the Loons. So you're, like, I feel like that's good. Like, you're, like, a local sports fan. You still, like, you go, like, local teams. I feel like there's some people, like, these guys haven't won anything, so I'm not going to root for them. Yeah, even I, like... Follow page on Twitter. Uh, it's called Purple for the Win. In their bio, it says, uh, "We're here through the pain and pleasure of the Minnesota Vikings." I kind of live by that. I love this guy right here. He's like he's like he combines
0: like old school and new school new school sports fan in a perfect way. Yeah.
4: I'm Avery Jesuits and I go to Waisetta High School, and I'm on the varsity team. I also play club volleyball at Northern Lights.
0: Okay. Um, three questions I have for you today, Avery. Number one. How do you, like, what is your favorite sport to watch on TV or to watch live?
4: I think, other than volleyball, my favorite sport to watch is probably hockey because I feel like. The team atmosphere on the ice is so similar to volleyball. You know, you can't play the sport by yourself, and I think that's what makes it really fun to watch. It's just watching the guys and the girls interact with each other and, you know, celebrate big plays, and I really love that aspect of sports.
0: How much volleyball do you watch? A lot. I think there's some athletes that maybe don't necessarily watch the sport they play. Do you feel like a lot of volleyball players watch a lot of volleyball?
4: I think it kind of depends. Um, I think one of my biggest things is like being a student of the game, and I think it's really important to make sure that you're watching other people because it can really help you improve your own craft. And, you know, I think not every volleyball player does watch it, but I think everybody should. It really helps you improve and learn new things.
0: Do you have a favorite athlete, a favorite pro athlete?
4: Oh, man. Um... I think my favorite athlete as an outside hitter is Logan Eggleston. She's on the Texas volleyball team and I just love watching her play and I've learned a lot from just watching her on TV so that's probably my favorite.
0: Avery, last question. How do you how do you watch volleyball? I feel like Watching sports, the experience of watching sports has changed a lot since I was a kid, since even maybe since you were a kid. like There's on-demand content. You can kind of watch literally anywhere. You can watch social media clips. When you are watching volleyball or hockey, if it's not live, how are you watching it?
4: I do a lot of YouTube. I feel like you can almost find anything on YouTube. But there's also this website. I think it's called Volleymetrics. And there's a lot of cool stuff on there. I think there's a couple hundred thousand videos of just professional teams and collegiate teams playing And I have a lot of fun watching that. It's a really good resource.
0: So you don't necessarily just watch volleyball live on TV. You're just, like, seeking out clips and just kind of – you can get volleyball whenever you want it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I like watching it live, but also if I'm trying to work on something specific, I'll look up a skill and look up, like, a professional doing that skill, and that really helps me learn, and I'll take notes with it too sometimes. So, yeah.
3: Awesome. Avery, I really appreciate it. Enjoy the night, okay? Yeah, thank you so much. I'm Matt McFadden. I play football for Eden Prairie. Jeremiah
5: Taylor I play football in Eden Prairie. Andy Kaiser. I play football for Eden Prairie. I'm Jacob Kaiser. I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-retired. You can still play.
0: Um, so I'm just out here talking to these, talking to everybody at the All Metro Sports Awards about how you guys watch sports these days. Do you watch full games on TV? What sports do you watch? Do you watch clips? Do you watch highlights? Matt, what? How do you watch sports?
5: I would say I watch full games, mainly just football, just because that's what I play and that's what I'm most into. I watch also a lot of basketball, college basketball most per se, and varsity badness for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely full games. I don't really watch like a lot of highlights. Jermaine, how about you? Uh, I would say I do the same, but I watch a lot of I watch a lot of clips more than like games. So. Like how? Like where? Uh, YouTube, a lot of YouTube. You like being able to just watch whatever you want to watch whenever? Yeah, it's a good, yeah, it's a nice thing. Andy, how about you? Uh, I'll usually watch full games when it comes to, I watch a lot of college football and NFL. And then I'll watch like a little bit of hockey every once in a while and college basketball. Then um, I'll also see clips on like YouTube, Instagram, and I'll watch some stuff there.
0: Has that just kind of been your experience, like as long as you can remember?
5: Yeah, pretty much.
0: (laughs) What's it like to just have, like, okay, like, that's kind of my experience now. Like, I'll watch, i watch a full game now, but I'm also, like, if I miss it, like, someone makes a great, like, someone scores a touchdown, I'm like, oh, I heard about it, but now I want to see it. Like, so I'll go, I'll look on Twitter, Instagram, and I'll go
5: find it. Like, what's it like to just be able to watch whatever you want whenever you want? It's pretty cool because you'll hear, like, during football season especially, I'll see, like, someone on my fantasy team score a touchdown, and I'll go back and look at the clip or something. So it's pretty awesome just to have it, like, at your fingertips and be able to watch whatever, whenever, pretty much.
3: What about you, Jake? Um, I myself watch a bunch of, like, UFC. Um, So I follow UFC on pretty much every social media. So I'll just be scrolling through. And just because of, like, all, like, the diagnostics and analytics that they have from, like, What I'm looking at nonstop, I'll always see, like, something UFC or something hockey, for instance, or Arizona basketball because I go to school out in Arizona. Um, I think it's, like, a lot different nowadays the way, like, social media has, like, kind of evolved, especially with, like, all the algorithms and stuff. Like, it knows what you want to
2: see when you want to see it.
3: So it's definitely a little bit different. Awesome, you guys. Appreciate it. Enjoy the
0: rest of the night. Um, Thanks for the insights. Thank you, Michael. Thank
3: you.
2: Uh, my name's Kate Cordes. I go to Shockby High School, and I play basketball.
0: Okay. Do you watch a lot of basketball as a basketball player?
2: Yeah, probably. How?
0: When you watch basketball, how do you watch basketball, and what kind of basketball do you watch?
2: Um, Probably during the season. I watch a lot of, like, high school. But... I mean, I also like watching a lot of NBA, a lot of WNBA, college especially during, like, March Madness.
0: Do you just watch it on TV? Do you watch it on social media? Do you watch it streamed? How do you consume your sports?
2: A lot of the time I watch it on TV, but, like, if I'm just watching highlights, I'll find that on, like, Twitter and Instagram, stuff like that. Do
0: you feel like that's pretty common, like, that your friends kind of consume sports that way?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people probably get it from, like, social media and stuff like that.
0: Last question for you. Do you have a favorite athlete? Mm. Professional athlete. You can't say like one of your teammates. Yeah, yeah. That's, a che- that's a cheat answer.
2: Um, I really like, well, Michael Jordan, but he doesn't play anymore. But um, Anthony Edwards, I like him.
5: Awesome. Kate, I appreciate it. Have fun tonight.
2: Thank
5: you. I'm Adam Tubbs. I played soccer and baseball, and I went to Southwest Christian High School. You guys can't see Adam, but he is one of the best-dressed people out here
0: at All-Metro Sports Awards. Got the suit, got the shoes, got everything going on. I'm impressed.
5: Thank you very much.
0: Okay. Um, Adam, how?
5: what's your favorite sport? My favorite sport is probably baseball. But my favorite sport to play is soccer. Do you watch a lot of soccer and baseball? I do. How do you watch soccer and baseball when you watch it? Um, soccer games... Every Loon's game, I'm probably here. If not, I'm watching on TV. Um, Same with other MLS and other English Premier League games, I'm watching on TV, Um, and if I miss a game, then I'm gonna watch the highlights of it, Um, either on YouTube or Instagram. And baseball, it's a tough sport to watch and endure through, Um, but normally, if it's a game that I really wanna watch, I'll watch it on ESPN or something, if not, I'm probably just watching the highlights on Instagram or TikTok or YouTube and just the games that I want to see. Why is baseball harder? Baseball is a hard sport because it's so slow. It's super long. If you're not at the game or not invested in it, then what's the point of wasting your time when you could be working out or watching another game?
0: Do you feel like that's a common sentiment among your baseball teammates? Like, you know, I was a baseball player growing up, and like, I was, at that point, I was like a huge Atlanta Braves fan. I would like watch every game, I'd record every game if I couldn't see it. And a lot of my teammates were like that too. But like, do you feel like your teammates now
5: don't watch as much baseball because of the pace or because of whatever? Um, At times, yes, for sure. Um, Growing up, I was watching almost every game when I had way more free time. But now that I'm playing sports and don't have as much time to watch it myself, uh, it just totally depends. And with the day and age we're in and the highlights that we get to see, it's way easier just seeing the highlights and going back to the game after you see the highlight and watching through it. Is there something baseball could do that would make you watch more? You know, there's an aspect of they're trying to get that time clock in for the pitching. And... If they speed the game up a little bit, um, or if, like, tickets are cheaper, I would love to go to more games. Um, Last thing for you, Adam, I appreciate it. Do you have a favorite athlete? Man, um, favorite baseball player, I'm not a Yankees fan, but I love Aaron Judge. I saw him in college at Fresno State and fell in love with him. Soccer player, it's got to be Erling Holland for... Manchester City now. He's he's a beast, one of a kind and can't wait to see what he does with Man City. Do you like seek out highlights of those players or like follow them on social media? I follow them on social media. I don't watch as many highlights on them. Judge's home runs though. You got to see him. They're amazing.
0: He's epic. He's huge. He's having a monster year too. Oh yeah. Adam, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the night. Thank you very much. The kids these days, they are all right. Really enjoyed talking to all of those athletes that I that I caught up with out at the All Metro Sports Awards. Hope you guys enjoyed that. And it would be, you know, think about your own viewing habits. Think about how they have evolved and how much is how much access you have to sports. How many different ways you consume games. It really is a much different thing than it was even probably five, ten years ago. Think about how much it's changed over the course of a lifetime. Speaking of five years ago, let's bring in Chicken Fingers 69 now to talk about the 2017 trade deadline when the Twins under 500 traded Brandon Kinsler. He still has not gotten over it. Let's get to that now. Special treat for daily delivery listeners today Chicken Fingers 69 of Twitter fame of the sportive podcast joins me right now. Um, Chicken Fingers, I don't know if you realized this, but Sunday is the five-year anniversary of when the Twins, at the trade deadline in 2017, traded Brandon Kinsler, their all-star closer to the Washington Nationals, if I'm not mistaken, um, in exchange for minor league pitcher Tyler Watson. Tyler Watson never really panned out and this has become this has been for the last five years and you you were into in your this is not revisionist history for you you were down on this trade from the very beginning and it has stuck with you over the course of five years um this to me strikes me as one of the things that you have been the most angry about in your whole life so chicken finger 69 i ask you have you ever been more angry um this is a recurring semi recurring segment on this show have you ever been more angry about anything in your life than when the twins traded Brandon Kinsler, Michael, I had one, thank you
6: for having me Two. I have never been more angry. I was angry. I had never been more angry five years ago when it happened. And I've only become more angry about it since, um, at the time I was angry about the trade for a number of reasons, but I'll, maybe I'll run through the defense, the defenses I was given, I was offered from others. on the internet for why the trade made sense one um the twins were out of it at the deadline they were out of they were out of the race um that was the maybe the biggest reason so they should take whatever assets they can get um that obviously proved to be untrue they went on to win uh even without kinsler they went on to win the uh the division no the second wild card excuse me second they went on to the playoffs maybe that's where they went on they went on to the playoffs so um, that proved to be untrue. Two, um, it was a good haul. They got they got a good they got good pieces in place that you mentioned. They received Tyler Watson, who never did pan out. I knew at the time he wouldn't. His his ceiling was a middling lefty soft tossing reliever, the type of reliever that is available during the off for a million. F- there's a million Tyler Watson free agents in the off season that any team can get for a million dollars, $2 million. Um, And then they received a half a million dollars in international slot money. Research I've done never shown any justification. It's never been proven to me or shown to me that they even use those dollars for anything. Half a million dollars is obviously a lot, but relative to the overall slot, that's not very much money. So they didn't receive really anything in return that's been proven and they weren't out of it. Um, The third thing that was, Mentioned to me that was very that was maybe their first trade. The boy geniuses. Yep, this was
0: the first year in charge. It was their first year in charge?
6: Maybe their first big move. And what was explained to me is those two are known for pitching development. And what I was told at the time was chicken fingers. Soon we're going to be swimming in so many pitching prospects. You're never even going to remember Brandon Kinsler's name. You're, you're not. There's going to be so much pitching in this organization. There's going to be too much. So don't even worry about it. If Tyler Watson pans out great, but it's not going to matter because between drafting and developing, they're going to have so much starting pitching and relieving that you're not going to know what to do with it again. Obviously that hasn't panned out these guys. It's third, and they've had five full seasons. This is now their sixth. Um, maybe the top starting pitching prospect that they've drafted and developed, who would that be? Maybe Bailey Ober. Yeah. Um, They've, they've traded for a few, had some success, hit and miss success with a few different trades. But as far as pit starting pitchers that they've drafted or even relievers that they've drafted and developed, we're five, six years into this process and we got Bailey over. Um, so that certainly hasn't panned out. I think what I remember at the time was that this could be, what I was concerned about was that this would be a, a, a harbinger. That's maybe not a, a hard enough word, an omen. Maybe that's an evil enough, an omen of what's to come. And I think it's played out one. These guys, they misread the league. They thought they were out of, out of it. And I think a lot of these things are playing right now, this season, they misread the league and they thought they were out of it and they weren't. And now what we're seeing is I think before this season started, this organization thought they didn't have a great chance. It's because it's the reason why maybe they didn't go out and sign more relievers. They yep. didn't go out and style more starting pitchers. And now they're, they're leading the, the division and we're all looking at each other with this, this disaster a pitching staff, wondering why they didn't invest more. So they misread the league, certainly something they did five years ago. Uh, I think they blinked at the deadline. Um, they could have held out for more. They didn't receive much for, for what was like Brandon Kinsler is not, um, you know, he's, he's not Dennis Eckersley, but. He was, an also, he was a serviceable arm that they received nothing for in return.
0: They had 28 saves for the Twins that year, and a 2.78 ERA was, in fact, an all-star. It's, a, it's an interesting time. Maybe we can kind of talk about this a little bit. I'm glad you brought up the relationship to this year because I do feel like that 2017 team bears some resemblance to this year's team, right? Uh, maybe it's a, a better-than-expected team. Um, in, in the Boy Geniuses' mild defense, I would say, they were – Cratering heading into the um, trade deadline. I think they were 50 and 53 at the time they had traded Kinsler, even though they had started and were well above 500 for a good part of that year. I, I think it was a pretty significant surprise that by the end of August, I think they were 70 and 63, that they had come alive even after trading Brandon Kinsler. But to your point, the bullpen that year was an unmitigated disaster, even without. The full services of Kinsler for the whole year, even with him posting a 2.78 ERA and getting those 28 saves, they had a bullpen ERA that year that was 22nd in the major league, 4.40. You had Taylor Rogers emerging a little bit. You had a couple other things. Trevor Hildenberger was relied upon a lot, but they did not have a lot of options down there. So the haul for you know the 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 price to keep Brandon Kinsler for two months and see what you could do was, uh, I, f- I feel like you're, you're being fair and saying not worth just, you know, giving him away for, you know, a-, a prospect that in your mind was, was not going to pan out anyway. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting year. And I think if we can kind of bring it full circle to this year, I do, I am curious, you know, how they, how they view this year's team and this year's team certainly in better shape at the deadline than that team and leading a weak division um, but by the same token, how motivated will they be if they don't think this is a team that can actually win it all this year?
6: Well, I think to address your mild defense, um, you know, what seemed obvious was that they were cratering and they were out of it. I think uh, we, we praise and, and pay the boy geniuses to identify, to use analytics and metrics to identify things that aren't easily observable. They should have been able to use what, the, what they claim to be the, their, their statistics and analytics and, and metrics to identify a wildcard position that was achievable. They should have been able to, I think this offseason, everybody thought, oh, this is the, the White Sox division, to lose. There's no chance, the Twins. Yeah, that's an easy thing to see. We, we shouldn't be giving these guys passes just because it's hard to analyze a division. Um, that means that they're absolved. From analyzing it, that's their job, and just because it's hard doesn't mean they they're absolved of their duties. Um, I think I think that's fair, and I think um, what we're seeing, what it, again, what it, what it proved to be an omen was they just simply don't value bullpen arms, and what we've seen over the years, they trade away Presley, they traded away now uh, Taylor Rogers Taylor in the offseason yeah. for for really, which is proven to be a pretty disastrous trade. Um, Taylor Rogers is doing well in San Diego and we receive absolutely nothing of value for this season, at least in return. Um, they believe the boy geniuses believe they can just craft a bullpen out of nothing out of reclamation projects and has and, uh, non-prospects. And, and they have the ability to, and, and they haven't shown it, they haven't shown this ability to, to craft a, a dominant bullpen sustained. Not, there's, there's been flashes, but nothing sustained to develop this dominant bullpen. And in the meantime, the good pitchers in the bullpen, they do have, they trade away for her often peanuts.
0: Last final thought for you, considering how angry you were five years ago and how angry you have remained. Um, will you do anything to mark the five-year anniversary on Sunday? Any kind of, I don't know, any kind of ritual, any kind of, kind of, you know, clearing of the clearing of cleansing of the palate, any, anything that you can imagine that would, that would make the next five years
6: less painful to you. Sure, I think the first thing that comes to mind would is something like I would go on Twitter and demand apologies from everybody. But what that the difficulty with that is that's not a significant. That's just another day for me. It's not a marker of a five year anniversary. It's not. There's nothing. <laughs> there's Nothing remarkable about me going on and demanding apologies to date for being correct about this Kinsler trade. I have received exactly zero apologies from anyone. Uh, Eric Valvietad
0: Levine. Have they? They haven't even left town, have they? They
6: haven't they haven't left town? They haven't reached out in any meaningful way, as far as I've seen, to, to offer any explanation or apology. Um, so uh, maybe on Sunday I'll sit there on the patio and wait for their call.
0: That sounds great. Well, I'm sorry you've been so angry, but I am glad we had a chance to, to revisit this shameful moment in twins' history. And uh, I wish you the best of luck on
6: Sunday. Thank you. Never been more angry, Mike.
0: It had been a while since I had chicken fingers on the show, but I really enjoyed having him as i always do he's uh he plays kind of this grumpy old man character on twitter and you know some of that is not an act some of that is probably real but the thing i always appreciated about him is that he's his his reasons his his even if he's uh kind of overboard sometimes in his you know steadfast you know opinions he does back them up with a lot of good relevant points and good relevant facts to the to the point that you know on more than one occasion i found myself saying ah you know like i he, he'll he change my perspective on some things sometimes so he is a good he's just good he's just a good guy to talk sports with um so that was fun for me and i uh, hope it was fun for you as well let's finish with the cooler as we kind of transition into the trade deadline think more about trades Twins, Padres over the weekend could tell a little bit more about what the Twins will do when the trade deadline hits early next week. Some of the biggest moves they made, though, already happened this past offseason, and one of the biggest was Taylor Rogers going to the Padres. They'll be faced with the just kind of the idea of that trade they made and probably wouldn't do it again. However, did you know... That if you stopped paying attention when Taylor Rogers had a 0.44 ERA on May 27th, things have gone really poorly for him since. An ERA of over eight since then, and now on the season, an ERA of 4.35, even though he's racked up a ton of saves, even though it seems like he's pitched into a little bit of bad luck based on his ERA versus his FIP. It is an interesting kind of dichotomy. We think of Taylor Rogers as having this whole shutdown season. Really, he's had half a shutdown season and half of a pretty poor season. So think about that as you watch the games this weekend. That will do it for me today. That will do it for me for the week. Should be back at it on Monday with Patrick Royce. Until then, enjoy the weekend, everybody. I'm Michael Rand. See you again in a few days.